Welcome to the Determined People Podcast. We are committed to spreading encouragement, strength, and hope to a world in desperate need of it. Everywhere you look in today's culture, you see stories of remarkable people experiencing remarkable success. Our show focuses on the backstories of everyday, relatable people who have achieved greatness in their lives. We focus on the story behind what we see in the world. Our hope is that you find yourself in these stories, that you say, if that person made it, so can I. And now, our host, John Harrell. Welcome to the show. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to ask you one favor. Would you please hit the subscribe button? Every time that we have a new episode come out, which is every two weeks, then you will be notified. And we're just spreading encouragement, strength, and hope, and our world desperately needs those things. So please hit that subscribe button. Share it with your family, your friends, your acquaintances, and I promise you won't be disappointed. We've got great guests. My guest today is Ashley Evans. She is a trauma-focused therapist and a personal coach, certified personal coach. Ashley uses a variety of modalities in her approach to therapy. One is eye movement desensitization repositioning, which you may know as EMDR. I've done EMDR. We may get into that. She uses cognitive behavioral therapy, changing the way we think. And she also uses something called brain spotting, something I had not heard of until I started doing research for this article. So we'll talk about that. And she does trauma. She focuses on using psychedelics in the approach to healing trauma. It's something that is fascinating. We're going to talk about the, the weekends that she does using toad venom or dimethyltryptamine. That's a mouthful. So let's get this trip started. Ashley, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. What led you into becoming a therapist? You know, my, my own personal uh, journey with uh, complex PTSD uh, sent me down the um, the rabbit hole of you know wanting to wanting to learn more, wanting to be able to help myself and, and, and help other family members who had struggled with um, addiction and, and things like that. Um, and so part of it was you know personal, but but also uh, just that need of of wanting to to help others and, and connect. How did you know you had PTSD? And, and the reason I ask that is this: I had PTSD which I always thought PTSD was bullshit till I got it. Like, yes. no, this is real. I was like yes. a walking zombie. How did you recognize you had PTSD? You know, um, it, it became uh, it, it overwhelmingly clear. Uh, my, my, my reactions, my um, flashbacks, my starter responses, um, it, it became so evident that, that I, I really had this kind of epiphany moment where I knew this was not something that, that uh, you know, it, it wasn't just, um, you know, something that I could uh, brush away and that it was a lot more serious. And I, like you, I have a deep respect for, for PTSD, complex PTSD, and, and the impact that that can have on somebody physically mm -hmm. as well as emotionally. But you took it a step further, not just getting treatment for yourself and, and healing, you decided to actually go help others heal. I think that's remarkable. Thank you. I have a question though. We still stigmatize therapy. Why? You know, I, I think that um, a, a long time ago when, when therapy came onto the scene, say in the 50s, when there were veterans that were returning from, from war and they were having to deal with PTSD um, and, and kind of therapy, therapy became a little bit more um, known, but it also became this, um, again, like you're saying, it, it became about what was wrong or what was pathologic uh, with the client or, or the patient. And, uh, you know, now I feel like that there has been um, much more acceptance 
I do think there still is a stigma, don't get me wrong, um, especially uh, sometimes with maybe, you know, my generation, you know, or, or a little bit older. But I also find it very interesting that sometimes I, I'm having a lot more young males, in fact, um, that do come forward for therapy and that, that are interested in bettering themselves um, or, or have growth mindset, they wanna work on issues um, and, and, and they're taking accountability. And really, I think that some of the millennials view therapy as a form of self-care mm -hmm. and you know it's like getting a massage so to speak or you know so something of that nature so um, I, I do think that there there's a little bit of change there that's great because you know I do believe that the bravest people are ones that that seek therapy because self-work is hard it's the hardest thing you'll ever do but anything that is worthwhile is going to be hard but then you yeah. value it because you earn it and I look back at my own you know decade of, of being with a psychotherapist and, and I you know it's important I found the right guy but I look at the way I was a decade ago and then the way I am now and I'm going, this is, I see the results. I see, I do the work. He does the gentle nudging, the kick in the ass every now and then. And, yes. and but the gentle nudging and, and like I, I compare it to, he is um, we're walking through the rainforest and he has the machete and he's clearing the path. And I'm just following along behind and trusting him to lead me where I need to, to be. Does that make sense? Great analogy. Right. So when, when you have a new client come in, mm -hmm. there's always going to be that, you know, typically that guard is going to be up because they don't know you and, and they want to establish trust and you want to establish trust with them. What's that first session typically like? You know, I, I think it, it really depends on the client. Some clients are eager to get in there and, and to be able to talk and share um, because they don't have, just like you and I were discussing earlier, very often men don't have opportunities to be to be vulnerable because they have been taught for so long that the only acceptable emotion is, is anger, mm -hmm. um, you know, that shows power and strength or, brute, you know, brute. Um, and uh, so that that is acceptable, but showing vulnerability or fear, um, you know, um, worry, anxiety, um, we, we, men have been conditioned that it's not safe. And so, you know, I do find that there will be men that will come in and they will say they've never had an opportunity to discuss some of the things that, that, that we discuss because they don't feel safe. So um, I do feel like with it, it just really varies from client to client. One of my observations about men has always been that, that men typically don't have friends. They have acquaintances, they have work buddies or whatever, colleagues, but or maybe their significant others significant other you know there's somebody to hang around with go to dinner with shoot the breeze with when you're together but that's not a real friend that's not a real intimate friendship where you mm -hmm. can talk about stuff with other men women are much better at that than than we are so i'm glad i'm encouraged to hear that one of the um, one of the areas you do work with a lot is men you've got an entire tab on your website for men you do um, group therapy with men mm -hmm. yeah. some uh, i guess it's telehealth how how do you get men to open up when they're with a bunch of other people that are strangers and, you know, like you say, we're reticent to kind of let it all out, right? How do you do that? You know, I, I think sometimes by the fact of seeing that there are other men that are there and that are willing to be vulnerable mm. or that are facing the same issues that they are, they don't feel like they're, um, you know, alone or there's something defective uh, with them and they see the commonality. Uh, in that, and sometimes I think it's it's just very cathartic to be able to, you know, to, to understand that, that that someone else is dealing, you know, with the same struggles. Gotcha, right? Because you know, sometimes you do feel alone in the in the struggles, right? Right. And you know, I have I'm a father of two boys, and I said, you know, here's here's what men when they were 18, they both said to me, you know, well, I'm 18, so I'm a man now. I'm like, okay, what a man, what's a man look like? Like, 
I don't know, you know, they do men's stuff, but you, you know, no. Men are the last ones to be served. Men are the ones who are responsible. They're the ones who don't want credit for anything. They just are men, all right? And you have to have that inner strength without my way or the highway. And that is a struggle for a lot of men because like you say, men have been conditioned oftentimes to show loud voice and we're typically bigger than women are. We, we carry more muscle and we have a deeper tone or show anger, which is not healthy at all. That doesn't create connection with other people. Right. Let's talk about some therapeutic modalities. Would you explain what EMDR is and how it actually works? Um, so, so EMDR is um, the eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Um, it involves uh, the bilateral stimulation, um, it, sometimes auditory, sometimes visual, sometimes with a finger mm -hmm. or a light um, or, or digitally over uh, telehealth, for example, there's um, applications that, that um, mimic light or sound. Um, and, and it's just a talk therapy that involves uh, the therapist and the client, you know, talking through, uh, through issues focusing on where there are cognitive distortions, um, where uh, there have been uh, items from their past that have not been properly processed, and mm -hmm. then there's, say, this little capsule of trauma still in their brain, um, that in, in being able to follow, follow the stimulus and, and have dual attention on the stimulus that's going back and forth, as well as holding the idea of, for example, the traumatic experience in their in their head at the same time, mm -hmm. holding these two dual thoughts, being able to work through, being able to work through and reprocess those things that happened to them. Now, as an adult, it, it, it becomes very apparent through through talking very often of things that they perhaps missed when they were a child or or having memories that they didn't recall mm -hmm. um, that come up from the subconscious that then factor in and they're able to to relate and piece things together and uh, you know it, it, it's pretty fascinating because you might not necessarily walk out of the session feeling like oh everything's fine now but then you might notice that your um, reaction to anger or, or, or um, traffic for example or or things that would normally trigger you you suddenly notice that they're decreased so uh, it, it's pretty cool that is really cool you know my own experience with the EMDR was my therapist used it for my PTSD and I didn't walk out of that session changed, really. I was, but didn't know it yet. Mm -hmm. And he shared that with me. He said, it may take one or two sessions, it may take three, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It took one for me. Mm -hmm. But within about 10 days, I found myself laughing again, smiling again, and I noticed it. I'm like, okay, my brain is rebooting is the way he, he described mm -hmm. it. What it really did, I'm like, wow. But it works, I mean, it's crazy to, to the, you mentioned talk therapy. You know, back in October, I had a very violent car wreck and it truly it created a trauma response in me. Now, what I would say to you is this, I've had probably 12 to 15 violent car wrecks over the course of my life, so I'm like, what's one more, right? What is one more? But this one impacted me differently and I, and I could feel it. So I, I called David, my, my psychotherapist, said, I may need an EMDR, I don't know, but I got a couple of hours scheduled, let's talk this thing through. And we didn't do EMDR, but he did just talk through. He kept having me go through and relive the, the accident, relive. And the mind is so amazing because the more that we would talk about it, the more I would remember. It's all there. It's just been buried perhaps. Mm -hmm. And finally, the, the, the telltale moment for me, Ashley, was in my, in my mind as I'm, my car is spinning and it was a, I mean, it was a violent collision. I was like, is this it? It was the finality of it. Like, is this how I go out? And that was what caused the trauma response. But the, the talking it through 
And I kept going, okay, we're going to talk this thing. You want me to describe it one more time? And he goes, yeah, just keep going. And, and it's like, we got there. We got there. But the mind is so incredible. So you, what, you're, what you're talking about with EMDR, though, almost sounds like that brain spotting might have become come out of EMDR, right? Yes, brain spotting is slightly different and newer to me, although equally fascinating. Um, I, I have amazing sessions with brain spotting as well, um, and it involves more of keeping the eyes um, fixed on a, a stimulus or a certain a certain location, perhaps even looking, um, you know, looking away or, or focusing on, say, the therapist's finger, um, as opposed to it being bilateral and, and, and moving back, uh, back and forth. But again, equally fascinating and amazing what little tweaks can have, have such a huge impact on the brain. Yeah, you know, and with the, the one of the videos I watched about brain spotting showed a man with a pointer. And I'm thinking, you got my attention because I'm not sure you're not going to whack me with that pointer, right? During, right. During therapy. <laughs> yes. So before we get into psychedelics, because this is fascinating to me, um, on your website, you say that you don't remain neutral in the therapeutic session. So that suggests to me you really immerse yourself in the moment. So my question to you is, Ashley, how do you take care of yourself? Because actively listening to someone is exhausting. And that just seems like it would be taxing on you. How do you just... How do you take care of yourself and not take that home with you? Uh, good question. You know, I, I have been asked that quite a bit. And for some reason, I am, whether it's through things that I have gone through, uh, you know, in, in my own life, um, personally, professionally, being able to, I think, connect and relate to someone in that moment and be present with them during their pain, um, the, the feeling the feeling of that and the the uh, the meaning that that it brings to me and being able to, to share that with them and being able to, to help um, you know help them heal or witness um, you know see who they are is affirming enough it doesn't feel depleting whatsoever it actually feels very um, additive mm. interesting that's a that's that's a unique answer I didn't expect that's great though additive okay so post pandemic Depression, anxiety, I read from the from the World Health Organization is up 25%. I think that's probably low mm -hmm. because I didn't really, the, the way they studied it to say this, this suggests to me that it probably is low. Suicidal ideations are, are way up. You know, of course, in 2016, youth suicide became the number two killer of kids and it rages on. How did we get here and why are we so angry with each other? Well, let me say, I think social media certainly has a huge Huge effect on all of this mm -hmm. comparison, um, you know, feeling feeling less than, um, you know, materialism, mm -hmm. the image of perfection, you know, this illusion, uh, which of course, uh, no one is perfect, but we can internalize and, and feel like that, you know, others others have it uh, have it made, or they, you know, they they know what to do, or they figured life out, and somehow we haven't, and, and that's just not the truth. But I think that there we put a lot of pressure um, on ourselves. Yes, in comparison is a never-ending rabbit hole you can go down and it just is so futile there's no reason to ever do that the thief you know? of joy yeah we that's right and we you know we're uniquely created by our creator to be who he wanted us to be and to, for me that's good enough right doesn't mean i'm not always trying to improve myself but it means if he if god the creator of the universe looks at me and goes that's my boy that's okay but it takes it a step further i have to look at you and say he created you exactly how he wants you to be and not be judgmental towards somebody just say you know they're they're who he created them to be it's not my place to run their life, right? But just to accept them. And, and I think I said to you off camera, it's like, 
I like everybody except assholes and pedophiles. So if you're not one of those, <laughs> we're good, right? I like it. I like it. So let's talk about dimethyltryptamine or kissing the toad, as you as you call it. Yes. How did your How did your interest in psychedelics come about? Well, let me state that I was not interested in psychedelics whatsoever. Um, I did keep getting these flyers that were advertising psychedelic training for therapists. Um, you know, I, I get lots of these kinds of uh, trainings for different things, and so I, I would brush them off. And but the more I thought about it, I kept wondering, how is it that psychedelics work? What 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 makes it, uh, you know, helpful in this case? Is it is it getting high and then you? You just feel better. I just, I didn't, I couldn't wrap my, my brain around it. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, you know, after a um, long, long period of, uh, of research and investigation and, and witnessing um, a close friend of mine um, who went through his own plant medicine journey, mm-hmm. it really um, it turned me on to, to trying it myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I am a little bit more of a risk taker, but uh, again, psychedelics, uh, you know, it brought up the notions of, of nausea and fear, and I'm very prone to nausea, so that was uh, not really something that I was that excited about. Um, I procrastinated a little bit, um, thought about doing ayahuasca, I mm-hmm. investigated that, um, but knew that there were some some bad side effects uh, of purging, and, and that, that uh, kept me uh, status quo. Um, and then, you know, this kind of fluke uh, series of events happened and uh, finding out about the toad venom and, and there I was. We have a brief video clip of you experiencing toad venom yes. in your own trip. And so we're going to play that right now so people can see. And you look like you're staring at God. You're in awe. I mean, it's like you said this is pure bliss. The most profound experience of my life, probably short of, or of birthing my children, but the most religious, profound, beautiful moment. So you're truly connected with the divine. Yes, there, there is no question. And that's uh, scary to me. Okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? It, it, you know, it, it is a very powerful experience, and, and I think that there is no way that you can walk away from that experience mm-hmm. and not be changed. You host weekends away from, from Dallas, and it's it's legal. Yes. So tell us what those weekends mean. What, what, what do you do over the course of that weekend? So um, I have two versions of, of the um, Kiss the Toad, mm-hmm. uh, psychedelic trauma healing. I have a, a city version, as I'm calling it, the city toad, and, and, country, <laughs> and, and country toad is um, the, the weekend-long retreat. Um, the weekend-long retreat is a little bit more intensive. It has more therapeutic preparation. Um, and, and, and lead up to it. There's some, some yoga, meditation. Um, it's, um, we'll be staying in a, a very nice, unique, luxurious um, home down in the, in the Texas Hill Country. Mm-hmm. Um, it is for coming together, having connection, there being music, delicious food, and, and, and really being able to um, share with focused intention on, um, on our healing journey. Mm-hmm. And the administration of DMT, or dimethyltryptamine, is under the guys of someone who's trained in this in absolutely correct absolutely so this 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 does involve a trained uh, and experienced plant medicine man mm-hmm. a shaman um, and uh, someone who is trained in in, in dosages and med- different medicines there are, there are um, various kinds of plant medicines that produce um, psychedelic effects mm-hmm. um, I, I personally chose the the toad uh, because it had some some advantages uh, in my mind um, and so, um, you know, it's very short acting and it, it is very powerful. 
and um, it, you know I, the the long weekend um, re really goes through a lot more um, therapeutic process. Um, the the quicker version is is um, also a little bit lighter, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So. so I want to lead or finish with one one question. And what would you say to people who are afraid to to embrace therapy? Who are thinking about it, they know there's something wrong. I think it was Carl Jung, the famous Swiss psychiatrist, who said unresolved trauma becomes tomorrow's neuroses. Mm. You know, the traumas continue. They will, they will continue to surface. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned about the mind is and is that your your brain only allows it to come to the surface when you're ready to heal from it. You can tamp it back down, mm -hmm. but it'll come back, and at one point, you can't run from it. It's there. Mm -hmm. What do you say to people who are, are experiencing this, and maybe they're afraid to go try any kind of therapy, whether it's, whether it's DMT or if it's just cognitive brain therapy? I mean, what, what do you say to them? You know, I, I think sometimes it can be scary because people feel like that, you know, w once they walk into the therapy room, that either they have to cry or as they start to lean into it, it's scary. That's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to, you know, look at yourself to see to see what's happened to to understand that very often it is it is us ourselves who are holding ourselves back, and uh, that can be very scary. Um, but I also find that truly my, my clients, I would say, just I really find that the clients who come to therapy are the most growth oriented, goal oriented amongst us. They're the ones that are in there wanting to be accountable, wanting to wanting to show up, wanting to better themselves. Obviously, there's there, there's a spectrum of it. But but the fact that they're getting themselves in there, I think, says a lot about them in the first place. You, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, it takes a it takes a brave first step to walk in there yes, and then keep showing up. And, and again, I also em emphasize to people, make sure you find the right therapist. Yes. Somebody that you can connect with. You, you, it's, it's a rarity that you would build trust immediately. My psychotherapist, I trust completely. So when he suggests something, I'm like, I mean, I don't want to do it, but you've always been right. He's always had my best interest at heart. So there's, there's so many dynamics and the, and the world is harsh. It'll knock you down. Sad thing is I always told my sons growing up said, you know, most people kind of want to see you fail, and they're taking account. Uh, they're, they're keeping an account of how many times that you do something wrong. So you have to focus on what you do well, and what you do right. And if you ever want to know what you don't do well, ask anybody. They're willing to share that with. And I think that's that's sort of how the world is. Mm -hmm. But we have got to just take the responsibility for our own personal growth. It is a decision to decide to grow or. You can remain status quo and be unfulfilled. So, Ashley, thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you. Thanks I'm, for having me. I'm excited to, to check out DMT, which I'm, you know, I will tell my audience I'm going to be one of your participants at the weekend away, July 22nd through 24th. So, so which, excited. Yeah, well, I always say life is a trip. Sometimes it's a trip down the yellow brick road. Sometimes it's an acid trip. <laughs> we'll see what this one turns out to be. So, so thank you. Thank you again for thank coming you. on today. Thank you so much. And that is our show for today. And I want to say again, thank you to Ashley Evans. And what I want to say to you is this. If you're one of the people who's dealing with depression, anxiety, hopelessness, fear, please reach out to someone. Reach out to Ashley. She has a, a phone number, which we'll put all of her contact information on screen. And you can have a 10-minute confidential con you know, conversation with her. Therapy will allow you, over time, to restore your life and you can live fully again so please if you're one of those people i encourage you
don't hesitate. Take that brave first step. You'll be glad you did. That's it for today, and I will be back on the audio podcast tomorrow with another inspirational message uh, offering encouragement, strength, and hope. Until then, everyone, be well.